Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is Ashes of the Red Heifer, a sign of the end. Now, this is actually really, really important. I've got some very important information to bring you. Uh, I'm going to say that most of the information you're going to be being, or being given on this topic is probably wrong. So I'm going to bring you the truth. Ashes of the Red Heifer. But first, I've got to warn you that there are more signs that there's about to be a stock market crash. Death of the dollar. Probably, if it's not September 23, 4, and 5, it's probably assuredly before the end of the month. Now, God has not told me that. I'm not saying that's happening. I'm saying that that's what a lot of people are saying. And as a watchman, I'm passing it along to you. Headline, UK banks changing account terms, which can now limit your withdrawal. So apparently all a bank has to do is just send out a notice saying that they're changing the bank terms, like we get from time to time. And, of course, nobody reads them. But only this, apparently, is saying that they can now limit how much cash that you bring out. So, being frank about it, I went down to the bank today, and I withdrew uh, enough cash to last us for probably 30 days. Surely, Surely the banks won't be closed more than 30 days. As this switchover from the coins and the paper switching over to whatever it is next, whether it's paper, I doubt it. It's probably going to be a digital system. So anyway, it says banks in the United Kingdom have begun changing the terms of bank accounts to limit or to refuse withdrawals. That's so big, let me read it again. Changing the terms of bank account limits to uh, bank, bank accounts to limit or refuse withdrawals that, quote, may affect their financial stability. In other words... If they want to stop you from taking your money out of their bank, they can do it. Account holders at Yorkshire Bank, for instance, received notification that the bank changed account terms to say, we have the right to restrict transactions where we reasonably believe our financial stability may be at risk, such as actual or potential abnormal levels of withdrawals. In other words, if they think, <laughs> if they think that there's about to be a run on the bank, bunch of people coming after their money, getting it out of the bank, they're going to stop them. If a whole slew of depositors start losing faith in a bank and start taking their money out, then the bank gives itself the right to prevent you from taking your money out of their bank. Further confirmation, we are about to go into a dollar crash, my brothers and sisters, and you have been warned. So the headline from Most Important News says, Why are Walmart and other major U.S. retailers canceling billions of dollars of orders as the summer now comes to the end? Well, that's a very big question because right now, normally, all of the big retailers are placing all of these billion-dollar orders, massive amounts of all kinds of Christmas presents coming in. It's the Christmas rush. They're going to be buying all of the things to stock the Christmas shelves so that they can make many of the retailers make enough money over the holidays to carry them through the other other 11 months of the year. So probably in our lifetimes, we have probably never seen this ever happen. Maybe we didn't see it happen or it didn't happen, but... Walmart and other major retailers canceling billions of dollars in orders just before the holiday season. Obviously, these people know something we don't know. 
And what do they know? Obviously, they know that not as many people are going to be buying things this November, December. Why do they know that? Because the dollar is about to crash. That's why. It goes on to say, do they know something that they aren't telling us? Yes. They're part of the conspiracy. These evil people in high places tell them, a lot of them own large portions of them, so they tell them, look it, there's not going to be as many people buying presents this coming holiday season because they're going to have the money. As you see below, Walmart, Target, and other U.S. major retailers are literally canceling billions of dollars in orders ahead of the coming holiday season. I've never heard of such a thing, and I, by the way, I've had to say I've never heard of it either. Never heard such a thing happening before, and under normal conditions, it wouldn't make any sense at all. The holiday season is typically the busiest time of year for retailers. True. And at this time in 2021, there was actually a great deal of concern that there wouldn't be enough inventory due to the global supply chain problems. But now... Everything has changed. All of a sudden, the major retailers are feverishly canceling orders, and this would only make sense if they know that a severe economic downturn is coming. So if you believe that Walmart, Target, and some of these other major retailers know what they're doing, then I suggest you take steps because now you know what's coming. It goes on to say that they've cleared most of their summer inventory out, and this is allowing us to make significant progress toward re- ra- uh, rationalizing absolute levels of mix, which will enable our stores to, stores to be well positioned ahead of the holiday position, holiday season. Okay, so <laughs> they're saying we want our stores to be in a good position for the holiday season, so we're canceling orders. What? They know something. They know that there's not going to be as many dollars buying products, so they canceled orders because they don't want them in their warehouse. And it may mean that it may not just be this year. It may be several years down the road, and they don't want to have all their money tied up in a bunch of Christmas presents in their warehouse that they can't sell. Target said it has reduced its inventory exposure and canceled more than $1.5 billion in orders. Goes on. Coles has also pulled back on order receipts. Under Armour said it made some proactive cancellations. FedEx believes a recession is impending for the global economy. Well, if you think these (laughs) large corporations know what they're doing, then you better start making plans and know what you're doing, too. It took me about 20 minutes to make these two loaves in my kitchen at an ingredient cost of about $12 each. In a time of food shortage and emergency, I'm going to cut each one of these loaves into 14 slices. Eat a slice in the morning and the afternoon, I'll be satisfied. You want long-term food storage? You want to cut your food costs? Here it is. Eat two whole wheat bread slices daily for about a year for about $800 each. JosephKitchen.com's wheat berries come in a nitrogen-infused 7-gallon pail for long-term storage. Most other emergency food costs about $10,000 per person per year. That's right, about $10,000 per person per year. But at Joseph Kitchen, you could do it for about $1,000 per person per year. Now... To get started at josephkitchen.com, you're going to need a machines package. That's going to give you the grinder, the bread machine, the knife slicer, all you need to make bread, and 
Then you decide how much food you want to get. You want food six people one year, four people one year, two people one year, or just one person for a year, all at josephskitchen.com. About $1,000 per person per year at josephskitchen.com. Use the promo code Prophecy Club. Get you a $50 discount. josephskitchen.com, promo code Prophecy Club for a $50 discount on your first order. Now let's get on to the red heifer. This is really important stuff, and this is Bible prophecy. And I know that some people think that this just makes their eyes cross and their head spin and they can't understand it. So I'm going to take it slow and simple so you can understand this. Very, very important point. Daniel 9.24 says, 70 weeks are determined upon the people and upon the holy city. Now, what does that mean? In simple language, that means that God has assigned 490 years of judgment to Israel and the people of Israel. That's all it means. To finish what? The transgression, to make an end of sins, to make a reconciliation of iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision of prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. That means that to make an end of sins, that means Jesus has returned at the Feast of Trumpets. He's destroyed all of the sin on earth. To make a reconciliation for iniquity, that means to finish, also finish the transgression. It means to make correction for the sin of Adam. In other words, within 490 years of these, these weeks of judgment, all of the sins of Adam will all be washed away. It goes on to say, to bring in an everlasting righteousness, so that he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still, Revelation says. So, that means that at that point, no one ever sins again. Wait a minute. What, what about those people that didn't take the mark of the beast, and, but didn't receive Jesus either? That's right. If they sin one time, a morning star judge shows up, hits them with a morning star. They fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones. That happens as of the last Feast of Trumpets when Jesus returns with the morning star and burns up all of the terrors and all of the, the fallen ones, the giants, all of the, all of the evil. It cleanses the earth. And to seal up the vision of prophecy means that after these 490 years, it fulfills all prophecies concerning the end. And here it is, the last thing to anoint the most holy. In other words, to crown King Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, here's a little bit easier way to see it, but since I've already covered this, you pause and you read through it because I'm running out of time and this is very complicated, so I'm going to move on. So there's a, an explanation of what I just said. Now let's go to the next verse, which is not the point, but I'll read it quickly. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, which was like something like 850 B.C. or something like that, a long time ago, unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, three score, and two weeks. What does that mean? It's going to say that essentially out of those 490 years of judgment, 483 of them have already been served up, leaving seven years. Hence, the seven-year tribulation. That's all it's saying. I'm just keeping it simple. You can go in all of the dates and everything, get real complicated if you want to, but I know that most people don't want that. You just give me the facts. Okay, so I'm giving you the facts. Essentially, it says that there's seven years of judgment left upon Israel and upon the Jewish people. We call it the tribulation. 
So it says, and then the Messiah will be cut off, from, but not for himself, and the people of the prince, that's the Antichrist, shall come and destroy the city, that would be Jerusalem. So the Antichrist is going to destroy Jerusalem and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. Now, a lot of people think, oh, well, that happened back in 70 A.D. Wrong. Go back and check your history. There was no flood in 70 A.D. when the Romans sacked Jerusalem. That's not talking about that. The flood is not talking about water. He's already destroyed the earth with water. The next time he comes, it's with fire, with the morning star, with the breath of his nostrils. He cleanses the earth. So that's what it's talking about. After this, so the Antichrist shall come, shall destroy Jerusalem and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with the morning star hitting them, and unto the end, unto the Jesus returning, there's going to be war and desolations that are all been determined, all been assigned. Desolations means when the Antichrist sits on the Ark of the Covenant, proclaims himself God, he makes it filthy. He makes it an abomination. Now, let's go on to the next point. So I've already covered this. I'm going to let you read that again so you can catch up. That's all it's saying. Now let's go to the important verse. And he, meaning the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant. We do not know what covenant. And this is the reason this is one of the hard things to look for, to know when the tribulation starts. Because they're all time signing covenants and agreements. And a lot of people think it could be a peace treaty, and it could. But it might not necessarily be a peace treaty either. But the Antichrist will confirm a covenant. And when he confirms the covenant, that starts the stopwatch count down in the seven years. Okay? When that covenant, but the problem is, you might not notice that covenant. You might not even know that one was even confirmed. It doesn't say he's the author, it doesn't say it's a peace treaty. It's just that the Antichrist confirms the covenant. Now, that might not even require a signature. Maybe it's just a nod. Maybe it's just a wink. I agree with it, okay? Here's the point. And in the midst of the week, in other words, in the middle of that seven-year period, he, the Antichrist, shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. What sacrifice? They aren't sacrificing animals in Israel right now. No, as a matter of fact, they haven't sacrificed animals in Israel since the Romans sacked them back in 70 A.D. So it's been like almost uh, 2,000 years since there's been any animal sacrifice in Israel. So that's a big thing. So what happens, what this is saying, to keep it real simple, the Antichrist, when he comes into being, he will confirm a covenant. My guess is we might not even know that that covenant starts. That's the reason I think, looking at Revelation 6.1, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. It's something much easier to spot, hopefully. Hopefully we get to hear that 1970s horn honk or whatever that noise of thunder might sound like. Hopefully, and based upon what Ken Peters said, everyone will. Now, he confirmed the covenant with many for one week, starts the tribulation. Then, in the midst, or in the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist, what it's saying is he goes in and sits on the Ark of the Covenant. Second uh, Thessalonians 2, 4 says, He sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is when the image of the beast and the false prophet both point at this guy and say, There is... That's the man, God. That's the Christ. 
That's the Messiah. Everybody got to worship him. Anybody that doesn't has to be killed. That's also when it is required that everybody take the mark of the beast. I think the mark of the beast will be introduced a long time before then. But I don't think it will be required until then. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. So they're not sacrificing animals in Israel right now. Now, enter the next explanation. So what, what the audible voice said to me when I memorized the book of Revelation is the seven seals play over seven years. That would stop here. Seven seals play over seven years. The seven trumpets play over seven months. Let me say it again. The seven trumpets play over seven months, and the seven vials play over seven days. Seals play over seven years. The seven trumpets play over seven months. The seven vials play over seven days. Now, with that in mind, here, in the middle of the tribulation is when the Antichrist goes in and sets on the Ark of the Covenant. And he says, I am God. You've got to stop that animal sacrifice. So here's the big news today. This comes to us from most important news, but there's a lot of people out there reporting this. It just, is it just a coincidence that the five red heifers have arrived in Israel as Jewish leaders prepare for a new Shemitah cycle to begin? The Shemitah cycle begins September the 24th, which is why we're inviting everybody to get on to our solemn September assembly, September 24th. Go to prophecyclub.com and tell you all about it. Come and pray with us. You don't have to necessarily pray where you turn on your camera and your lights and your your everybody can see. You can pray that way, but you can also just watch and pray along with us, and I encourage you to do that. That's this coming Saturday. Starts at 9.30 a.m. Central Time. At 10.32, the shofars blow precisely because that's sundown in Israel. That's when the Shemitah cycle starts. That's when Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets starts. So a trumpet is a declaration of war, and we're declaring war on the devil and his hand over America. And then it stops that evening, and we're asking people to fast during that time. Now, let's continue with the article. A major prophetic event just happened, and hardly anyone in the United States is talking about it. In recent years, a group of Western Christians known as Bonnet, Israel, has been working with officials from the Temple Institute to search for a perfect red heifer. A red heifer, in other words, a female cow, okay? A red heifer is necessary if temple sacrifices are to be reinstituted. Why? Because the red heifer, let me just stop here and explain. What they would do is, and I'm going to read the scripture. I'll tell you, let, let me just wait. Let me read, I'll explain as we read the scripture. A red heifer is necessary if temple sacrifices are to be reinstituted, but one hasn't been seen in Israel for more than 2,000 years. For a long time, the search for a perfect red heifer seemed to be going nowhere. But now, all of a sudden, that has changed. On September the 15th, five perfect red heifers from the United States landed at Ben-Gurion Airport. The following comes from and explains that. Now, all right, let's go to the Bible. So, in Numbers 19, Moses was commanded to take a red heifer. Without spot, here it is, without spot, wherein there's no blemish. So if there's any cut, broken bone, anything wrong with a heifer, it was no good. The red heifer is a picture of Jesus, okay? 
So the red heifer without spot, no blemish, and upon which never came any yoke. So it's a perfect sacrifice. And he says, you're supposed to take this without the camp. Why was Jesus taken outside the camp and crucified? See, because Jesus is a picture of the red heifer. The red heifer is a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus. And that's going to be important here in just a second. Then Eliezer, the priest, shall take the blood of the red heifer. He'll put his finger in the blood and sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. See, Leviticus 16, 14 says, once a year on the, on the Day of Atonement, they were to take a goat, and they were to, it's a long story, one goat went free, that represented Barabbas. The other blood of that goat was taken into the Holy of Holies, once a year. And the priest was told to dip his finger into the blood and sprinkle it before the mercy seat seven times, eastward on the east side. Now, when Ron Wyatt found the Ark of the Covenant, he said he found animal blood on the east side, but on the west side, he found the blood of Jesus. So it's a picture, see? Now, let's go on. So he sprinkled the blood seven times, which is a sign of purification. Now, let's go on. Here's the big part. Numbers 19, uh, it says, And one shall burn the heifer in his sight, her skin, her flesh, her blood, with her dung shall he burn. And the priest shall take cedar wood, that's another sign of purification, and hyssop, and I'll tell you about hyssop. I don't know what hyssop did, so I, I got some pure hyssop, uh, um, what do they call that? Pure hyssop oil. Um, I'm trying to remember the word. Anyway, right around my skin, oh, man, boy, it cleans like a white tornado. It is a cleaner. Hyssop is a cleaner. Cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet. All those are cleaners. And cast it into the midst of the burning heifer. So we cast it into the midst of the burning heifer. And after the heifer is burned, then they were commanded to take the ashes of the heifer, heifer, heifer and put them into a clile, which is a, a pot that, that is made out of the dung of the heifer. And then when they needed to purify the water of the Sanhedrin or the Sanhedrin or the sacrifice, or the altar, or the, all of the things they have to sacrifice, what they would do is they took that calile, if you can see what I'm trying to say here, and then they would take just, just a straw, just a small straw, and they would dip it in there, and whatever ha- ashes stuck to that straw is all that took. And then they sprinkled that on the vats of purification. Remember, Jesus turned water into wine. That's what he turned. He turned the water of purification into wine. So they sprinkle that before the, the water, uh, the, the vats of, of purification. Then they take um, hyssop, which is a weed that grows naturally in Israel. They dip it in the water, and then they sprinkle that before the Sanhedrin. They sprinkle that on the priest. They sprinkle that on the sacrifice. And all of that ceremonially pur- purifies it. Unless you have the ashes of the red heifer, you can't have a sacrifice because you, you don't have a pure sacrifice, you don't have a pure priest, you don't have a pre- pure Sanhedrin. It's, it's the whole, whole thing stems around having a red heifer. Now, here's the problem. You can't just take, like they're talking about, five red heifers from some part of the world, fly them in and sacrifice it outside the city, and it count. Why? Because for the red heifer to count, it has to be born in the area 
a specific area in Bethlehem where the sacrifice, the animals to be sacrificed in the temple are born. That's the reason Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. He was then treated like the lambs for sacrifice. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. They only wrap the lambs that are for sacrifice in swaddling clothes, which is binding them all up so that they can't like scratch themselves and make themselves not blemish free. They scratch themselves, there's a blemish. They can't use it, see. So they're wrapping swaddling clothes so that the, the lamb can't scratch itself. So for these heifers to work, they had to be born in Bethlehem, specifically in the place designed for sacrificial animals to be born. So they weren't born there. They were born in America. So as far as I'm concerned, and my opinion might not count, <laughs> but far as far as the scriptures are concerned, they won't work. Now, if they are bred and they have a calf, and that calf is born in Jerusalem, excuse me, in, in uh, Bethlehem, and if that calf is born without blemish and has not even one white hair on it, then they can use that. But here's the thing. I don't know if God's going to accept when, when the blood of Jesus is out there, I don't know if he's going to accept the blood of a, a heifer or bulls and goats again. Remember, the Bible says that if you want, want to do the sacrifices, you're a debtor to do the whole law. So you have to follow all 613 laws, which, of course, the whole point is for them to discover that's impossible. Okay, so now let's get to the point. So the first question is, so do five red heifers mean the seven-year tribulation is about to start? No, but it's a very good sign. And it also is very, here's another thing. Right now, even if they had red heifer, even if they had the ashes of the red heifer, they still could do sacrifice because they don't have control of the temple mount. So that tells you that in order to get control of the temple mount, they have to give the Palestinians a state. If America forces them to give a Palestinian state, then God is going to split America with a great meteor and all of that sort of stuff we've talked about. So, I think it's a sign. And by the way, another question is, so can the Jews start animal sacrifice using one of these red heifers? Well, of course they can. The question is whether God is going to accept it. But a bigger question is, even if they did it all right, is God still going to accept the sacrifice of a cow or a goat or a bull when his son's blood is standing there ready to wash their sins away. Uh, I'd prefer to have Christ's blood because I know that washes my sins away. I don't know if the sacrifice animal is going to wash my sins away. So if Israel starts animal sacrifice, does that start the tribulation? No. Can they start animal sacrifice and it not have anything to do with the start of the tribulation? Yes. Can they start animal sacrifice with one of these heifers? Yes. They could start animal sacrifice anytime they want to. It just might not be accepted by God. CornerstoneAssetMetals.com is where I'll send you if you're thinking about getting gold or silver. I think everybody should have at least a fistful of, full of gold and a fistful of silver because there could be a time when you pull up to get gasoline and they might not want to take your loaf of bread, but you pull out a gold coin or a silver coin, and you're probably able to get anything you want, even if the credit cards are down, even if the dollars are worthless. CornerstoneAssetMetals.com. CornerstoneAssetMetals.com.
Also, if you are thinking about joining us and being a part of the solution rather than just watching, if you'll go to prophecyclub.com and click on Fast Track, you can fast and pray to help Prophecy Club do what God has called it to do.